Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review, and better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals. These conversations create the foundation for my book on what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. Hello, this is John Bernanovich. I'm continuing my journey of writing my book, HR Like a Boss, and I am delighted to be joined by a friend and business owner colleague, Kristen Tall, the president of Pradco. Many of you in our community know Kristen. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, John. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule and kind of working through all these unique times as, as business owners and uh, someone who uh, works with the HR uh, community. I'm really hopeful to get some um, unique insights from you as it relates to your perspective of this book I'm writing called HR Like a Boss and do, doing HR awesome uh, business leaders that are just so happen to practice in the field of human resources. So with that said, uh, first things first, if you were to describe the purpose of human resource, human resources, Kristen, how would you do that? So I think the primary purpose of human resources is to support all things people related to organizations. So whether it be hiring, developing, making sure people get paid, making sure people are engaged, sort of all things related to people and having them feel good um, and perform well in their companies. And, and how, as it relates to maybe in the practice of what you do at Pradco specifically, or even the support you provide to your clients uh, from, from the consulting support you do and the assessments, how, how, do you, how do you see your company or others defining success as it relates to the human resource field? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a good question, especially being more of a consultant than an HR person myself, but sort of playing one on TV many times is an extension of our clients. So we define success as partnering with HR leaders and being an extension of their team. So um, we tend to operate in the small to middle market space. And for us, if we can help uh, you know, HR leaders um, hire better people, if it's helping them come up with development plans or succession planning. So normally they come to us with a problem and then success for us would be defined as helping them solve it in a way that's meaningful, measurable, impactful. And sometimes that's a small thing and sometimes that's a enterprise wide thing. So predominantly those problems you're solving with your clients are we're not getting the right talent within our organization or our interview process is not finding the, you know, finding the right people for us, or you have talent within the organization or the client that, that you're working with, and maybe that person isn't developing quite at the pace that the employer or their manager is looking for. Is that, is that a pretty, pretty accurate way to describe the problems that you're trying to solve? Yeah, I would say so. And then even more so in the last few years, more forward thinking kind of problems, like how do we develop leaders proactively rather than, you know, we have a guy over here who's not effective or who's struggling. It's much more positive orient, you know, positively oriented these days. So how do we help? How do we help people get ready in, in, ahead of time instead of waiting for them to stumble and then need to help fix it? And you have you you said you've seen that shift in the last few years. Has that been driven primarily by your HR contacts within those clients, or is that coming from another area? Do, do you see? I would say most often it is coming from HR because I, I find that. You know, not that there aren't exceptions, but business leaders get very busy running their businesses. And it's the HR teams that tend to be thinking ahead about, you know, who do we need to replace when so-and-so retires? Or where are there gaps in the business where we need to add some strength or bench strength even? So, hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting comment to where I think oftentimes, you, you may have probably heard this overused. And in, in my interviews, I hear this kind of seat at the table conversation for human resources. And 
um, having that forward thinking and being proactive about succession planning because sometimes business leaders or owners think that uh, you know, I'll be doing this for the next 25 years and something as we know in life happens and, and that plan changes. So I think that's paramountly important. Well, that's exactly right. And then on the other hand, there have been a lot of times when people thought people were going to retire and open up spaces and then they don't retire for a variety of reasons. So then what can they do proactively to retain the leaders that they have that in lieu of advancement, maybe they can provide them with development or stretch assignments or, you know, learning opportunities. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. So do you, do you, in your role, is there any particular example either within your company or uh, within a client to where you saw a profound impact from the, either a challenge or problem that came in through uh, the need that the client had? And then all of a sudden through some of the work you did or the efforts they put in jointly uh, that you saw a unique outcome? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a hard question because we don't always know the outcomes of what we do, right? So as consultants, we're in and out sometimes, although more often than not, and if it's our choice, we want to be in for the long haul to see our impact. But lots of times, you know, an HR person will bring us into a company for the first time. So maybe, you know, they've had a bad hire and so they decide to use us to evaluate candidates. And when we are able to show how, how a person will fit or how they won't, that can make a pretty profound impact on hiring practices over time. So it's kind of like introduce something, see really great results, and then that, that ends up being a win, A, for us, but also for the HR leader in terms of getting a little bit better seat at the table. Yeah, and I could imagine also, too, that success would be you hired, that, that person hires you at company A, and then they do their thing for five or ten years, move on to company B, and then guess who they call? Hey, remember that work we did together, some of the assessment work you've been doing? To me, that would be a that's the most compliment that the biggest compliment a client can give me is that we used you before we're going to use you again because you provide a value. That is so true. That is um, among the most satisfying things that happens. Um, I also wanted to comment about the HR at the table thing though, because that used to be more of a challenge. I find more and more now HR is at the table already. That's sort of an older challenge. And now they're at the table. It's a matter of impacting the leaders that they're with and figuring out, figuring out how to sell their ideas. Um, but to me, I, I, in thinking about this ahead of this, um, this call, I was thinking about how that probably has shifted in many of the clients that we work with. Yeah. So it is, I think it's been, it's one of those things to where if you, if you talk to folks, you know, that, that are maybe have enough experience to where HR was called personnel, right? I've had, I've had a number of those conversations recently. I, I do agree with you. There was this years ago kind of general, um, you know, uh, stigma about human resources that they don't have this proverbial seat at the table. Now, over time, enough of them have, have earned it to where that's maybe less of that uh, of a general concern, but are, are they keeping it by making an impact on the business and, and how so are they doing? And that's kind of the transition and concept around the book that I'm trying to, to convey to people, at least, and, and as you mentioned before, like I stayed at a Holiday Inn recently so I can practice HR, right? That joke. Um, <laughs> I, I've been blessed to work with thousands of clients and you know thousands of HR professionals in turn for that, and um, the the fact that they're they're able to the, the HR professionals have been able to make an impact over time, um, and then how they do that systematically. But to me, what what has been missing is the is the true um, consistent element of them being uh, business leaders first, even if it is in a entry level HR position or a recruiter. Uh, or if they're a comp person or payroll or, or they're leading human resources, that ownership 
and, and their willingness to um, step out above and beyond. And there's a lot that they have to do within HR, right? It's not a simple task. And they're serving a moving target, which is a person all the time, right? It's, it's, so, so it's, it's very unique. It's not for everyone. And it's, I'm, try, I'm trying to figure out exactly the formula so that uh, we can articulate that effectively in the book. Um, so, but I appreciate your insight. So as it relates to characteristics, are there, are there particular things that you've seen with clients that are in HR that stand out to you? Yeah, so you put your finger on one of them and that's being a business person first. So how do you partner with somebody rather than being the compliance person or the, the law person? Now those things are important, but I think listening is important. Um, listening to understand a, a business partner's need, that's important rather than just coming with the one size fits all solution. In my experience, the best HR leaders, you know, they might have some solutions in their back pocket, but they don't come to the table with it out of the, out of the gates. So being a listener, being a problem solver, being a partner, those are the things I think make a big difference. And not being a blocker. I mean, in the old days, like you mentioned, the personnel, and, you know, we didn't, in, in old days, you know, we didn't really love working through HR sometimes because they weren't really aligned with what kinds of services we offered. But now what we offer are sort of table stakes and what people need to do. It's, it's a whole different story now. And it's refreshing. Yeah. No, I think, I think business leaders, I'll call it maybe non-HR business leaders, have figured out that, uh, okay, the, the investment that we're making in people is our most expensive one that we have on our, on our books, right? Predominantly. So that for our staff is prevalently a ton. And then there's been enough where I think companies have seen when you get really good people, and they believe in the mission and the purpose of the company and you kind of join all that together, it just is easier, right? It's just easier to, to run the business as opposed to always like saying, well, this is, this, is, this is what the business needs, this is what you as an employee needs and they're both different. We're just gonna fight this thing out. Um, mm -hmm. It ends up becoming tiring um, for those that are, that are ultimately responsible for the company well-being, so. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I agree. This the seeking to understand shows that they are interested in the business and the people that they're they're representing, uh, and that that's not just HR functions. It's marketing. It's IT. It's supply chain. It's fill in the blank what the discipline is. So, so one of the key key components of the book, actually, the two key components of the book are thinking differently and being different. So th those are those are two of the the main principles within it. Like let's just not do this the same way we've always done it. You've earned the right to have the seat at the table. Now we have to earn the right to maybe have the chance to become promoted as a CEO or own your own company um, as you progress as as a business leader. Is there is there anything from an advice standpoint or or encouraging HR as to how they could think differently or be different? Um, of course, that would depend on the individual, but I guess in terms of thinking differently. It's taking that learner mindset like one step further. So asking questions, listening, but be willing to shift gears. So a lot of times people get wedded to whatever solution it is that they have in place. Well, even if that's you know what we do, if we're brought in to solve something and then that gets solved, maybe something different is needed. So it's not natural for every person to start always wanting to evolve or iterate on good solutions that are getting good outcomes. But to me, that's something that would really set somebody apart if they're always looking for improvement, new ways of doing things rather than just getting comfortable with, you know, whatever they brought in in the first place. Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of that. Like compla complacency is, is, uh, is a four letter word in my mind, especially for business success. You just kind of sit there and comfortable with where you're at. And as soon as you know, it, you're getting passed by and then you're, you're kind of dated with uh, where your, where your principles and the foundation is. So yeah, I'm all for that. 
-hmm. You had mentioned before in the personnel days and HR being a blocker. Is there any any particular experiences or or uh, conversations you've had where either business colleagues or or leaders have said, "I re I really dislike working with human resources." Uh, fewer and uh, more far between these days. I would I would definitely say I think when that when. HR leaders are viewed as more of just the administrative types or the type of people who aren't really open to implementing new things. They tend to get that stigma of not being progressive, not being adding, not adding value, basically. But like I said, in my mind, and maybe it's partly the kinds of um, clients that we work with or companies that we interact with, they value HR related services more maybe than the ones who say, oh, we don't, we don't do that. We don't need that. We don't, we do our own coaching or we don't need culture fit. So, um, you know, and then it's interesting too, because you're asking about HR leaders, but in large part, I think it applies to any leader. Like if you want to get at the table and if you want to have an impact and stay there, then it's up to you to create the opportunities and to bring the ideas forward. So in a way, the profession has maybe lagged behind, but on the other hand, I've seen really progressive, ambitious, smart people make their way when I didn't really think they would be able to. So it's been interesting, an interesting journey to see the evolution of things related to HR. Yeah, no, I think it is a good point that you say because companies that, that invest uh, in assessments or coaching obviously see the importance of human resources and getting the most out of the people that they, they, they are working there and they're working with. And I, I can see that maybe, maybe some of them um, are progressive in that regard. Uh, unfortunately, I am still seeing and hearing a number of companies that don't put a ton of value in it or haven't, they, they say they've invested in HR, but when I talk to the HR you know, generalist or manager there who's one person in a company of 200 that uh, can barely, you know, fit fit their a time in the day to even go to the restroom or even have a bite to eat, right, uh, to where they're just always on the go, um, driving, driving, driving. So um, it's kind of a tough equation. So it's, it's still, still not perfect out there, and I don't think it ever will be. But um, I think, as you said before, if we can broaden it beyond even HR, where, where the pe people dynamic and success is going to make any department leader any CEO and any manager that much more successful. So, so, so switching gears, which this may be the perfect question for you because you, you uh, are part of an assessment uh, organization that does a ton of interviewing. And I know there's not a silver bullet question uh, on kind of creating, at least in my opinion, um, there's not a silver bullet question. But I'm wondering if there's, a, if there's one question that you've, you've seen create the biggest impact that companies ask um, that helps them to identify great talent that fits their organization. Yeah, then I wish it was a silver bullet that would make everything easier. But, you know, if I had to boil it down to something, I would boil the question down to something about what type of culture do you work best in? Because more often than not, people are smart enough, people are, you know, might have the right experience on paper, but are they going to fit the culture? That's the biggest challenge. So if I hear somebody describe a culture that's not aligned with where I, where they're trying to get hired or get promoted into, that's the red flag for me, or the or the real endorsement. Yeah. You know, is it an entrepreneurial culture? Is it more process driven? Is it more you know structured and kind of stay in your lane, or is it a much more flexible, um, you know, variable environment? That that to me can make a huge difference. So that's what I like to ask, and I like that for my company too, because you know people have to want to be where they are. So that's a good way to gauge it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's a unique connection. So if you're if you're thinking back just a few years when uh, you started your career, or you could give advice to someone that's just starting out in human resources, um, or even in, in in the business climate, is there, is there anything in particular that you would tell yourself or that person that's uh, just getting started so they can um, 
glean from the success and some of the experiences that you've had? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So I've worked, um, my professional career has been 28 years at Franco the whole time. And I think initially I was more oriented toward being a high performer, you know, being competitive and um, wanting to um, sort of capture what we wanted as a business. Whereas a, a wise woman who we both know once said to me, you know, there's enough out there. So early on in my career, I adopted more of a partnership mentality, more of a relationship oriented mentality. So while it's important to kind of make your own way, I would advise anybody to put more focus into relationships, into networking, into doing for others, even if there's maybe nothing coming back to you directly. Because my significant, I mean, why we're sitting here, I mean, we're partners, we're, you know, maybe competitors in some way, not so much. But, you know, I feel like if you do for others, it comes back around. And if you know people, you have people to get help from and to reach out to when you're in need of something. So that's what I would say. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you. There's ample opportunity out there. Um, obviously, there there is um, for all these small businesses like ours to uh, still still be able to be in business in this very unique time. And, and at the same time, I, I don't know, like it just makes my me fall asleep easier at night to feel like I treated people the right way and helped help people out. And people make people notice, even though sometimes it may not seem like it. Right? They notice. And you notice, like you said, I mean, I want to feel good at the end of the day that I did what I could do. And I led my, you know, I led my example sort of stand for itself and, and it's worked out okay for me. And I try to pass it on to others. So I wish I would have been a little smarter earlier on, but then probably we all do. So better late than never, I guess. Yeah, right. Exactly. And you end up, it's, it's, it's interesting. One of the motivations that I had, Kristen, of writing this book is uh, regretfully, I lost my dad in, in March and it made me reconcile on all the things um, that he had accomplished. And also like, what are the things that I hadn't done quite yet in my life? And writing the book was one of them. And in that, um, he, he, he had, he lived, he lived with us for three months. He probably had 40 people come to the house to want to see him that he used to work with. And to a person, they all said, your dad was such a great man to me. He made such an impact on my career and was such an easy human being to be around. And at the end of the day, like, you know, my dad, the last few months, he could have cared less than any of the money he had. He wanted to sell his house, like the car was sold, like, but all those relationships are what mattered the most to him. And uh, just, just his impact on people was, was a profound lesson for me as, as a young man, as his son, seeing that. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'm sorry that he passed, but happy that you got to have that experience and be there for him. And, you know, you remind me of another thing that I've learned and, and something that I really value is people who are easy to do business with. So your point about, you know, who's, who's easy to be around, easy to be with, like I'll take a person who's, you know, a little less motivated, a little less, I don't know, pick a good quality, but if they're easy to do business with and you don't mind spending time with them, well, then that makes it head and shoulders a better, a better right. arrangement. Yeah, it's a huge difference. I, I agree with you 100%. It's just easy. It's easy. That's why I said, like, there's work, work is hard enough. There's enough complexity, but you don't want to add layers of, of, of that on top of it. If you can do business with a, a company that provides payroll services and it's easy to work with them or for assessments, when you call them, it's like not overly complicated. And here's what yeah. I need to do something a little different. Okay, we'll do it. And here's the pricing. Okay, great. Like, it's not yeah. like, let me, let me get my lawyer involved and let me send you 16 emails back and forth. And then we finally settle on something you feel like you could have gotten done in, in one minute. So mm -hmm. that's great. Well, and that's probably another bit of advice to HR leaders. You know, if you want to be 
called on by the VP of sales or the CFO or whoever, like be responsive, be easy to work with, be easy to relate to. And then that, you know, they'll invite you just because you're fun to be around, you know, in addition to the value you can add. So it's interesting. Yeah. Not that barrier, not that blocker, not that compliance police. It's that business partner, right? That term is, you know, resonated recently in the last, what, 10 years or so uh, in HR. So I think, I think it's, I think there's a reason for that. So well, I'll get you out here on this, Kristen. You provide some really great insight. I appreciate it. So, if you if you had the chance to describe someone that does HR like a boss, how would you do that? I would say they're practical, solutions oriented, and I think easy to do business with. Those would be my three. Perfect. Well, you're awesome. Thank you for making this easy and uh, for volunteering to be a part of it. And uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and the relationship we have and our companies have. So this is John Bernadovich. I'm signing off for now. We'll see you next time. Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review and better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.